0: Hey. Hey, you here? It sure seems like you are. (laughs) Yep, there you are. You are here. You're listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. And what do we have for you? It's an interview from the archives with folky Phil Rolston. The Kindred Spirit was a folk trio featuring Phil Rolston, Tom Tollerson, and Deborah McCall. In 1968, A recording was made of one of their live concerts, using one microphone. Oh boy. In 2008, the tape of that recording was resurrected and the audio cleaned up. It was that recording that provided the inspiration for the band to have a reunion 40 years later. The three members of the trio were interviewed by Paul E. Leslie the night before their reunion concert. Phil Rolston was the first to be interviewed. You're about to hear the recording of that interview. Hey, you know, the YouTube channel's growing inch by inch. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie YouTube channel. It helps us a lot, and it's free and fun to do so. I think the best move now is that we all sit back, relax, and listen to the Phil Rolston interview.
1: It is April 3rd, 2008, the day before the 40-year reunion concert of the Kindred Spirit Folk Trio. We're here at the 106 West Theater in historic Winder, Georgia, with Kindred Spirit band member, Mr. Phil Rolston. Hi. Hello, and thank you so much for making the time to do this. Oh, sure. Tell us about how music started for you.
2: Oh, boy. I uh, grew up in Atlanta. And I started singing almost as soon as I started talking. And early on, it was learning Elvis tunes, you know, just very early. And then when the Kingston Trio came out, I used to sit in front of my minoral record player and learn all the parts and learn the harmony parts. And then, of course, Peter, Paul, and Mary came along, and that was a revelation. The harmonies got more interesting, and I'd learn all those parts, and... Uh, and that pattern got started, and I just kept going with it. I was a serious folky, followed Bob Dylan and learned all, a lot of his tunes and and all of that stuff. And uh, Phil Oakes, Bob Dylan, Tom Paxton, all, a, lot of, a lot of people. I could go down the line of all the old folk heroes, Buffy St. Marie. And when I first started performing, really, I did a single and was singing by myself. There was a coffee house in Atlanta early on, across from the varsity, called the Eighth Note, and Ellen McQuaig used to play there, and she was a great hero of mine. And I would sing there some, and and then the Twelfth Gate opened up, and that was that was a whole other
0: adventure.
1: A lot of people can name a song or an artist from their youth that really changed them a lot. Can you think of one in particular? that you heard them and you had that feeling where you thought, this guy is speaking to me.
2: Boy, you don't ask simple questions. <laughs> hmm. I think it had to be uh, Bob Dylan's songs. You know, maybe the first one was probably Blowing in the Wind, actually. Yeah. You know, uh, that's that's probably the milestone when it really got topical. You know, when it really got related to war and the civil rights and, and the the topical kind of stuff that was going down and, and started thinking seriously.
1: So tell us about the Kingston Trio. How did you meet the other two members, Miss Deborah McCall and Mr. Tom Tollerson?
2: You mean the kindred spirit? The kindred spirit. <laughs> That's yeah. okay. What did I say? The Kingston Trio. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. There's a minister named Bruce Donnelly. He was a Methodist minister at Grace Methodist ba- uh, Church in, off of pa- on Pas de Leon. And Bruce was like one of two or three ministers there, and he, this was right when the whole hippie-type movement was happening in the throes of, of the Vietnam War and civil rights, I guess it was 1967 maybe, I could be easily corrected here, but Bruce talked his his the, the people in his church into opening a coffee house because he wanted to reach out to the people who were on the street and the hippies and whatever and and minister to them. So about three or four houses down Charles Allen Drive from behind the Grace Methodist Church, the church actually owned this house, and Bruce started a coffee house there. I started doing a single there. Tom did a single there, and Deborah also did a single there. And Tom and I met, in, in the green room there at the 12th gate, where you prepare to, to tune your guitars and get ready to go on stage. So I forget who, uh, I think uh, uh, Georgia introduced us, a good friend of ours, and I, uh, we jumped in and started singing uh, Feeling Groovy uh, there in the green room. And it, note for note, the harmonies were just dynamite. And Tom was a great guitar player, and even then, that's where we first connected. And then Tom and I started doing a duo, played for a while, and wanted to expand into harmonies. Tom's a wonderful arranger, a choral arranger now, and, and he's just got this wonderful mind for harmonies. And So we wanted to get a little broader than just two people singing. We had a temporary time with uh, two friends of ours, Chip Penner and Virginia House, and that didn't last very long and then uh and deborah all the all the while Deborah was playing and and we started hearing her, and we asked Deborah to get in on it, and that was the beginning.
1: What did you think of Deborah McCall when you first met her?
2: Deborah was something I guess I'm going to reveal a little something here Deborah used to used to be she was really young number one we were all really young Deborah was fifteen, wow. She would be so nervous before a show. She was so nervous and scared. and She would come off and after playing, she would come back and, and be all scared and sometimes even a little teary, you know, worrying, Oh, did I do good enough? Did I do good enough? And we're all sitting there blown away by the stuff that she did. You know, she has this pure, absolutely pure, beautiful voice. And so we just loved her. Just fell in love with her right away. <laughs>
1: Did you have a feeling when you guys started playing together as a trio like something had clicked?
2: Absolutely. That's why the name Kindred Spirit. We were Kindred Spirits.
1: Do you remember back then, and it's amazing you guys are playing after all these years again, (laughs) I'm really excited about this concert, but do you remember back then thinking we want to portray some kind of message? Uh Because so much of that music from that time portrayed a message.
2: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And actually, as we started started working and, and, and getting more into it and maturing a little, our set lists were built to get that thing across. We we would start and build up and build up, and, and, and it wasn't just about the dynamics of the music, but it was also about going from point A to point B in, in a message. And the bottom line of the message is love. Yeah. You know, it's... it's, it's knowing to see yourself in other people's eyes and, and knowing that, that we're all connected.
1: So after all these years, how did the idea to get back together and perform?
2: Well, we had this dear friend who used to, who was one of our greatest fans, Bob Pearl, and Bob found a tape that had been made in 1969 at the bottom of the barrel in, in Atlanta. It's a beer room one of the places we played a lot, one of the big folk places in in Atlanta. This tape was made with one microphone in a live room, not on stage, just catching all the noise in in the room. And Bob found it and put it on his computer, tried to clean it up a little, and he did a good job, and burned a CD out of it, got in touch with us, and sent each one of us a CD. And I'd been seeing Tom some, you know I had Deborah was all the way on the west coast so it wasn't as easy to get hold get a hold of her but uh Bob sent us that CD then it was just that it was just amazing you know we were going God this is really good you know we really we really had very intricate difficult harmonies in in the process of getting back to this that that CD helped us a lot but it's amazing how ingrained that is it's the neural net. In our brains, just most of that stuff's there still. You know, it, it wasn't that hard to, to go into it. It was like this warm, comfortable, familiar place again. That's how I got started. It really, seeing, getting those CDs, we all just started jonesing to sing again and be together again. It sort of led to, led from that.
1: I can't wait to see it, the concert tomorrow night. But I was listening actually to this very concert footage you were just talking about last night, uh-huh. and we're going to be broadcasting it for all you people out there. Can you remember any song in particular that you thought, after listening to it, after all these years, you thought, wow, this really sounds good?
2: Oh, boy. Yeah, a lot of them. Sisters of Mercy is a wonderful song, Leonard Cohen's song. That was, that was a really interesting arrangement that we did with it. Tom sort of did a baroque thing with it when the harmonies were really, really good. That was That was a wonderful one. And actually, there's a song that that we did that wasn't even on that CD that that's a Buffy Saint. Marie song that's just we actually just finished rehearsing it that is just amazing. The interesting thing about our our stuff is that nobody the, the melody doesn't stay with one person throughout a whole song. Sometimes that melody changes in the middle of a verse. Sometimes it'll even change in a line, and it's just it's it's really amazing. They, they were very very difficult harmonies, and the first time we all got back together to start rehearsing, we were just sitting there working really hard, and we got through in in the first day. And we, Deborah and I, looked at each other and went, "God, this stuff is really hard, but it's so incredible to work hard on on this stuff before." And Deborah, as you know, Deb. Sang with Buffett for a long time, toured with them, and everything. But and she'll probably corroborate this that, that of, of all the music that any of us have done, nothing was as hard. We never worked as hard on any music that we've ever done as, as the music that we do together. It's the passion. It's a passion, and it's it's just it's magic. You know, sometimes you're lucky. A combination of people and voices and and hearts work together. And, That certainly is the case with us.
1: I've stopped by this 106 West Theater a couple of times this week to talk to people, and you guys have been rehearsing. And after all these years, what's it been like to be seeing each other on a daily basis and putting this show together? I know that this is going to be just a heartfelt concert. I know it. It's going to be great. What's it been like this week?
2: It's been amazing. I mean, with that song I was just talking about—I had—I started crying in the middle of the song. I'm I, I turned into an old wuss here. It, It's—it's just—it really touches our hearts. It's—it's it's a blessing. It's a real blessing. I love them a lot, and, and I love the music. And thank God we can do it.
1: I have one final question. The wonderful thing about this broadcast is it's going to go out all over the world. So my last question to you. What would you like to say to the world?
2: I would have to steal a line of Barack Obama's. i got to get that in. We have so much more in common than that which divides us. We have so much. And if we just pay attention to that, find those places, the things that we have in common, those basic things, we can overcome any of the stuff that divides us. It's all really small and petty stuff. Most of it's real mental. You get down to the bottom things of emotions and and needs of people. we are all the same. We all want to eat. We all want to have love in our life. We all want to have meaningful work. It's the same whether you're in Iran or China or wherever. it's, It's the same. Everybody wants their kids to be okay and happy and fed and sheltered. It's the same thing. There's only one of us.
1: Sir, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for making the time to do
2: this interview. Thanks so much, Paul.
0: Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepauleslie.com. That's thepauleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primorano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano. the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.